Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And we got Andrew Cashflow, also known as the Cashflow King on this Monday. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today in Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Ripple versus the SEC case is finally coming to a close, as summary judgment from Judge Torres is expected later this week, while the XRP's price chart is ready to rise, creating an 800-day bull flag for the ages. The Federal Reserve is quickly moving to combat a liquidity crisis as the FedNow system is set for launch this July. A popular venture capitalist states hyperinflation has already hit the markets, claiming Bitcoin could reach seven figures in the next 90 days. Leaked images reveal Microsoft is in the process of adding crypto browser to their capabilities, showing our community how this digital transformation truly comes once in a lifetime. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, my voice cracked a little bit on that live. I had a long weekend, I got to admit, but I'm really excited for today's show. So thank you for being here and how you feeling? Abs, I'm excited too. I missed you guys at the end of the week, but it's great to be back. And let me just say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you guys. Appreciate you for showing up every day. Great to see Gonzo and Andrew. Can't wait to hop into it today and see what we got on the on the docket. A lot of good news. Absolutely. And we're going to Super G next. Gonzo, always happy to see your face. And I see you did your hair this morning. So thank you for making time for us. I already know it's going to be a great show. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, man. It was a great weekend. Started off like Friday. It was just like me and Abs on the show. I mean, we had Tones. He came in, but it was cool. Like the back and forth. So we had a great show. Great weekend. Got to spend time with family. Uh, it was my stepson's birthday. So we were out in Napa visiting his grandmother and having dinner. And so it just went by really, really fast. But it's going to be a great week. A lot of crazy stuff coming up. Uh, we have the FOMC, uh, FOMC meeting on Wednesday. You know, uh, it's you know, do we get the 25 basis points or we stay flat? You know, we can talk about it, but uh, a lot of different things, right? We have the new moon around the same time on the 21st. So we're going to that new moon energy. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's an exciting time to be in crypto. And Andrew Cashflow, it was an exciting weekend in the Netherlands. I saw some protests were successful and they combated a lot of the carbon change emissions, a lot of the claims that were made. I'd like to get some details on that from you and then we'll start the show. Actually, in the Netherlands, we had last last week we had elections, not for the for the for the regular government, but the government above that. You know, they have they have two 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 chambers, and the whole country voted for one party. That was the farmers uh, 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 civilians party, and everybody said what they are doing at this moment to the farmers, it's not correct. So the whole country voted, and they are the biggest in every section in the in in the in the country. So. It was fantastic, and and then you see, you know, that 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 sometimes governments just do not want to listen to to the people, and now the people had the chance to speak, and things really. I hope things will change now. Power to the people, my friends, and I want to give a special message right now. I just received from one of our listeners, Susie Gemini. I just want to take some time to send some love and high vibrations her direction. She did get some negative news this weekend. So if everybody in the live chat could just send some love and high vibes to our listener, Susie, she's always po promoting positivity in our chat. So 
Shout out to Susie. We are sending love and high vibrations your direction. On that note, we're going to start the show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We are just below 3,100 followers. Shout out to XRP Jenna. And this is some pretty exciting news we may share later this week. So the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is up to a 66, Johnny, sitting in moderate greed. And for good reason, as we got some bullish price action throughout the weekend, we are currently sitting at $1.17 trillion in global market cap. Bitcoin is $28,000, Ethereum $1,700. We've got Bitcoin sitting at $28,000, Ethereum $1,700, and XRP is $0.38. Cents. I'm sorry, guys. That live chat threw me off just a little bit. I want to take some time, send love to Susie. But Johnny, I'm going to kick it right to you while I get myself organized. What's on your mind, my friend? And then we'll get started with the show. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. Whew, I don't like seeing a 66 in the, in the, you know, that's in the greed mode. And so that just tells you that at any moment, things could start coming down. You never know when they're going to start dumping. I mean, we're very close. When you look at the Bitcoin resistance charts, you know, there's a lot of talk around resistance around 28 to 30. We're not that far away from that. So who knows? We'll have to see what happens when we get there. I do also want to send love and high vibrations to Susie. She's been an unbelievable supporter of the show and, in, and a great um contribution in the chat room we miss you you know we, we love you and more importantly you know love and high vibrations so sorry for your loss it's always a tough thing so Susie, uh you're in our prayers for sure you're part of the the family um but uh yeah so it's very interesting abs when we look at what's happening here um we know that there's been a mini bull run but it's not gonna last <laughs> i don't think it's gonna last too much longer we got some crazy energies happening this month and the next month so we'll see where this thing goes but, you know, the one thing that does give me a little confidence that makes you wonder now that you see all the banks collapsing, there's a lot of talk that before when this happened in 2008, abs, there was no place to go. There was no Bitcoin, right? It didn't exist. It came out of that. The interesting thing to see now is as these banks are collapsing, this is something to keep your eyes on. It's very important. Typically, the safe haven has always been historically throughout time until this moment in time, gold, right? People go into gold when there's a, there's, there's a concern. Now the question is, will we start to see some of that money move into Bitcoin? Will Bitcoin become what everybody has been calling it, the digital gold uh, store value? We're going to see. Time will tell. But this is the time where we're going to start to see if that, you know, it's going to be the beginning of whether that's going to be true or not. Absolutely, guys. And we got 272 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to get this show started with an interesting topic that came up this weekend. As the four largest banks in America have $9 trillion in assets right now, but $173 trillion in derivatives. All of this is on the brink of collapse for the first time in over 50 years. And the U.S. dollar slash banking system is built on confidence. Will the tokenization of debt and real world assets allow the Ponzi scheme to continue in the future? And I tagged our fearless leader, Coach JV, so I'm looking forward to getting an answer. Gonzo, let's just talk broadly really quick. The Bitcoin price chart is looking phenomenal. And what's getting exciting here is the fact that we've talked about a retracement for several months and we're finally getting that price action. The RSI reached historic lows, bottomed out below the 20% mark. And now we're heading clearly, heading right up towards that 30 to 32,000. I'd love to hear what you're anticipating. And then we're going to dive into some XRP news. Yeah, you know, like uh, Johnny was saying, all you have to do is pay attention to the Bitcoin dominance right now. It's at 47.62. Once it gets into 48, it basically has to break 49 and it breaks the top of the range. Uh, so definitely keep an eye on that. We've been talking about an automatic rally once we broke that 25200 level and we broke it. And now we're running into that. Right. And so we can see this automatic rally going from the 0.5 fib that I think I'm going off my memory is at 
32K all the way up to the bottom of the golden park at, that is at about 39K. For me personally, once we hit the 0.5 fib at 32K, that's when I'm starting to look at, to de-risk, right? Because depending on uh, this narrative, and you're going to see this, right? We're going to talk about this in that bet thing, but you're starting to see that narrative now come out where Bitcoin is a hedge against inflation, right? In this hyperinflation narrative and that the banks are collapsing and that, you know, Bitcoin is there to protect us against that. And you can see from Bitcoin dominance that that narrative starting to take. I mean, it is absolutely crushing it. When you look at the Bitcoin pairs, there are only a few altcoins that are doing better than Bitcoin. But um, I watched the Bitcoin Ethereum pair and it's absolutely devastated right now. So that basically means that if you were holding Bitcoin, you can trade into more Ethereum, which is actually what I'm going to be looking to do when uh, I de-risk. And Gonzo, uh, I do want to kick it right back to you because we got this XRP price chart I want to show. Somebody commented something that we talked about on Friday, me and you in particular, Gonzo. It said a new breakout for crypto as Fidelity Investment now sales are live you can get commission-free trading of Bitcoin and Ethereum using Fidelity, and that's for millions of American investors, specifically over 37 million investors now. But I wanted to get your comments on this, Gonzo, as the XRP price chart is looking better than ever. And Waters Above commented on this this weekend. He said, this pattern is over 800 days in the making. Do you hear that, Bearable Bull? This is going to get wild up here for XRP investors. From the lows against the SEC lawsuit until this Monday, 811 days later, we formed a perfect bullish triangle, never breaking below this trend line of support, and finally coming to the precipice of what we believe to be something very big, Gonzo. So I'd love for you to elaborate on that. What does this price chart mean to you while it's coinciding with summary judgment at the end of this month? Yeah, you know, just look at the price chart, not any of the news or anything that going into that. But uh, when this thing breaks out, this is a bullish pattern. When it breaks out, I mean, we got to take it in levels, right? We need to get above 44. And then once we break 44, basically above 55. And then once we get above 55, this thing's going to run. But if you do a macro fib pull on it, not taking in consideration any of the news, just looking straight at price action, um, you're looking at an automatic rally that can get us into the golden pocket at, uh, I think it's at about $1.10. Uh, so like if you're looking to de-risk, uh, you know, Waters was talking about this yesterday on his podcast, probably anywhere between 80 cents and a dollar is probably a safe way to de-risk. De I think that's what he's looking to do. And, and that's for people that have been in, maybe holding this asset for a very long time and got in at those bottom levels, right? Um, the, it might be a good time for you to de-risk it. Everybody's different, but just looking at the simple price action, that's where the automatic rally takes us into the golden parket. That's at about a dollar 10. And a dollar 10 is something that a couple of months ago, people would have been pessimistic on. Now that sounds pretty great. As we're sitting at 38 cents right now, Andrew Cashflow, and we got some pretty exciting news from John Deaton. As John Deaton said, regardless of what happens during the summary judgment, there's going to be an appeal process, whether it's from Ripple or the SEC. But the price chart is telling us something a little different because it looks primed for some movement. So I'd like to hear from you, regardless of a summary judgment, if, if Ripple wins, obviously this is going to get optimistic here. This price chart is going to get really exciting. But if there is some sort of a settlement or a resolution where there's not an outright win for Ripple, but pre-2014, let's say, it's considered an ICO, and now going forward, Ripple is going to get the go-ahead from the banks, do you believe that could be a huge catalyst, or will the appeal process hold the price chart back? Uh, mute button, Andrew. I, th I think the elite here in this world, they do not want that XRP will skyrocket because there is an enormous amount of XRP needed in the future to do the, to do the utility work for what the XRP is needed. So 
I would not expect that it will be skyrocketing immediately because once it goes up very fast, it also will come down very fast again to this kind of level. Will it go grow over time? Sure. But also what's very important is if a if a uh, an outcome of the lawsuit will be there, it's very depending if that is good for XRP, the price uh, appreciation of XRP, but also we have to look wider to the scope of the whole crypto market. And uh, and what Brett Garlinghouse always said is, from, I, I want to have a general solution and I want to have something that we can build up. And reg I want regulation. And he does not want to, to comply to to, to say, okay, yeah, we were fault and we pay a, a penalty and then that's that and, and we, we are done. So I think there are more sides of the medal than we only see at this moment. Absolutely. And John Deaton seems to agree with you, Andrew Cashlow. We're going to play a short clip of John Deaton talking about what could happen after a summary judgment is revealed. Then we're going to kick it to our man, Johnny Crypto, guys. So here we go. That Coinbase interview that uh, Tony did a thinking crypto channel. Think about this. If Ripple wins and Judge Torres says, SEC, you couldn't prove XRP was sold as a security by the actual company that owns 50% of the tokens, do you think that's going to give Coinbase and Kraken confidence? If you can't prove it against Ripple, and you sure as hell can't prove it's a security when Coinbase or Kraken or Oppo sells it. So despite... You know, I know that the uh, the chief legal officer of Coinbase said, well, you know, and he's got to say that. It's a publicly traded company. He's going to say, we have to be careful. We have to do this. We have to do that. But just think about common sense. If you lose against Ripple, if you can't prove Ripple violated the law, you sure as hell not prove Coinbase or anyone else did. So, And that's what this case is really about, Johnny. Not only is it setting precedent for XRP, it's setting a precedent for every enforcement action from the SEC after the fact. He said if they can't prove that Ripple was a centralized security after over 50% was held by the company, they're not going to be able to apply that to many other projects. Specifically, let's just talk about Ethereum because Ethereum legitimately had an ICO. So I'd like to hear what stuck out to you during this video, and then we'll talk about that. Yeah, there's, there's really a lot to unpack there because um, every court case is different and all the facts have to apply for it to apply as precedent. But the reality is he's right. A lot of companies are going to look at that ruling and they're going to make a decision on a risk level or a tolerance level that they're willing to do. And that outcome of that case will be a big factor of that. And that's why, Abs, I personally believe we haven't gotten a result because it's such a big, it could have a big impact, um, as Deaton said there, potentially. Um, and the reality is if we get a ruling, we all know, I've been saying it on this show, if we get a ruling, you don't have a ruling. You don't have an answer because I told you it's going to happen. The minute we get the ruling, if it's against the SEC, what do you think they're going to do within five seconds? Appeal. They're going to file an appeal. And then if they win that one, they're going to file the other appeal. So this case, if we get a ruling and it's in favor of Ripple, everyone's going to cheer. Everyone's going to be happy. It ain't going to matter because they're going to end up appealing and appealing. And this thing's going to get tied up for another two years. I'm telling you, we want a settlement. A settlement ends this quickly. And it moves on. It's a bit selfish in a way for XRP holders because that means XRP gets what they need and nobody else in the industry doesn't. And we know that the, it appears from everything we're seeing at, it doesn't feel like the U.S. government really wants clarity around this space, if you ask, you know, from what we're seeing. 
if this case comes to ruling, gets settled, you're going to get clarity. And I'm not so sure that's what they want yet. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, I think he's right. Companies will definitely jump to a conclusion. But will it stick? Depends. We're going to have two more years of appeals. Absolutely. And I want to read this quote before I kick it to Gonzo. He referenced some statements from Coinbase chief legal officer, and this is exactly what John Deaton was talking about. The chief legal officer said, I'm very eager as much as anyone to see how the court case rules. And as soon as we have that ruling, we will put it into process and see if we need to revisit our listing decision. What he's basically saying, and this is a spineless way of saying this, if Ripple wins, they're comfortable relisting. If there's any anything that's not perfectly clear, they're going to avoid putting Ripple back on their platform. And I'm calling it Ripple. I mean XRP. Gonzo, I'd like to get some thoughts on your statement. What does it mean to you? Yeah, you know, like Johnny's spot on. He's 100% right. Unless we get like a settlement, then if this thing goes to like jury trial, there's going to be an appeals process. And it's going to have to move through the court system. And um and, but you know what? I, I'm okay with that. Like, I, I, you know what? I just don't give it energy anymore. At this point, I have my investment thesis. I was actually talking to Mari about this yesterday. We're starting to build short-term positions into XRP, right? I have my long-term stuff that I don't touch, but now I'm starting to build because I have time, right? And I have some capital to build a short-term position that when it, the price moves and it will move, it'll move with the rest of the market, right? Um, then I, I can, I can actually pull some profits, right. And, and trade out of it. So like whatever happens, happens. Um, like, I think at the end of the day, if this thing does go to jury trial, um, it's going to get appealed. Maybe it gets appealed all the way up to the Supreme court. And that's when we get a brand new Howie test. But like Johnny says, it's going to take a couple years to get there. In the meantime, I still look, if you told me, Hey, if you were willing to wait two years, but you're going to make life-changing money, would you wait? Who's not going to say no? I would absolutely do that, right? I would absolutely wait two years if it meant that we were going to get the clarity that we needed and I was going to make this life-changing Monday. What's what's two more years, right? Like Coach Edward says, I've been broke for most of my life. What's another two years? So I'm just going to be patient uh, and then just and let it play out like it plays out. But I do have a plan. And so that's what I say to everyone else is make sure that you have a plan and that, you know, you're, you're, you're de-risking when you can de-risk and you have your different positions, right? Absolutely. And Andrew Cashflow, I wanted to play an important video revealing that Judge Torres is actually watching crypto Twitter and taking some things that are on Twitter right now and using them to apply them to the Ripple lawsuit. So we're going to let this short clip play and go back to the group here. Here we go. Judge Torres, is she watching crypto Twitter? <laughs> you just had to go with a super speculative question. Uh, let's see. Um, it is... It is my understanding that she is for the very reason that the SEC referenced in some of their motions, some of John Deaton's uh, previous tweets. Yeah, the fact that that was brought up and it does highlight the fact that there's a lot going on in, in crypto Twitter. I would surmise as much. So I would probably feel comfortable saying that Judge Torres is, is probably not unaware that there is an, in fact an active community and the fact that John's got you know what's he at 76 76,000 people he is currently representing in a lawsuit against the SEC and what gets me so excited is our friend Crypto Erie here is asking the important questions if Judge Torres is listening to the general public on the consensus about this lawsuit it's all swayed in one direction and people are very optimistic about Ripple. So Johnny, I wanted to get some quick thoughts from you and we'll kick it to cash flow. How do you feel about Judge Torres watching Twitter and applying it to this lawsuit? 
Well, I I don't think judge. I first of all, I don't think the judge is going to make a decision based on what she hears on Twitter. Okay, they're much more professional. They've got to follow certain rules and rules and in approaches. So um, I think people are going to make a bigger deal out of that than it really is. If you want my honest opinion, but is she monitoring it because of the fact that you know there was some discussion that Deaton had revealed a couple things and things like that. Maybe she's just keeping an eye on what's going on, but I don't really think it's going to have a huge impact per se on her actual ruling. She has to go by the facts and things that were presented in court, what was submitted to the court in the cases. You really can't just take a public thing and apply it. Um, Will it have a tiny impact in her mind somewhere in the back of her subconscious? Possibly. But again, she can only go by things that were presented in court. And I'm not an attorney, but that's what I'm assuming. Although soon we may have a really famous attorney on the show. I'm not going to reveal it yet. We're working on it, but we'll be able to answer those kind of questions. Uh, hopefully, not well. not may. We this really guy cannot keep a secret at all. Johnny cannot keep a secret at all, bro. You know like, what, guys? Literally, man. The live chat knows we can't keep a secret here, so everything's totally <laughs> transparent. And guys, we got 407 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button, Andrew Cashville. I'd love to get some closing remarks from you. What is what are you take away from that video? The fact that Judge Torres thinks it's applicable. What's happening on Twitter? No, yeah, I mean, uh, a judge should is is not only like like paperwork and, uh, and and rules and regulations. I mean, there is a whole community and and a uh, uh, yeah, you know, people are not black and white. And I think it's fair that at least that you take notice of what is happening in the world around you, and that you say. Maybe, you know, you cannot decide about what's happening on Twitter, whether it's right or wrong, but at least make the comparison with, with Netherlands when we have new elections and all the people say something else is what the current government is doing. I think you should count, count your, your blessings and say, okay, maybe we have to list. If everybody calls you a horse, maybe it's time to buy a saddle. <laughs> that's a great way to end it and andrew cashel i know you're short on time so thank yeah. you for making time for us today it's always great to have you on the show andrew okay see you next time bye-bye and we're gonna switch gears a little bit here and talk about how the federal reserve is readying their digital payment system and it's happening here in 2023 so johnny i'm gonna kick it to you right after i go go over some important details in this article during the first week of april the federal reserve will begin the formal certification for participants of their digital service Early adopters will complete a customer testing and certificate program to prepare for sending live transactions throughout the system. In June, the Federal Reserve and certificate and certified participants will conduct production validation activities to confirm the readiness for their July launch. The FedNow launch will enable every participant and financial institution to offer a modern instant payment solution. And Johnny Crypto, the reason that's so important is there's over 10,000 financial institutions currently operating within their system. So 423 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got Gonzo in the building, but we also got Johnny Crypto. So tell me your thoughts. Yeah. So, you know, again, this goes back to what I think we talked about on the show a few weeks ago. Abs, we're talking about a behind the scenes system and bringing it up to speed so that it's more efficient, more effective. And that's what you're seeing the FedNow system will be, right? At the end of the day, it's going to be a, a digital, you know, more of a digital-based system. I don't believe it runs on blockchain. I think as we discussed behind the scenes, but it is certainly moving them more in a in a direction towards a more efficient more uh, system that eventually maybe will get converted into a blockchain system. 
Absolutely, Johnny. And what gets me a little bit concerned here is the centralization of this market. If the Federal Reserve is able to launch a product that they're not calling a central bank digital currency, but it has all the same functions, it does exactly what they set out to do. It gives the central bank more control over the direct access to their citizens. And Gonzo, I did want to get some thoughts on this. Do you think this could have an impact on the decentralized market? Because it is launching in July of 2023. You know, uh, I think that remains to be seen, Abs. But, um, you know, we know that it's instant payments and it's not on the blockchain. Um, I, I do think, and again, I'm not an expert in Fed. I think we lost audio there. Is that just me, Johnny, or did we lose audio on him? I think we lost his audio because I don't Yeah, we did. We'll get him back on stream, guys. We got 430 people joining us. Thank you for being here. And I'm excited to go over this content. But Johnny, let's break down what he had just referenced. This does not rely on blockchain technology. And Gonzo, while you get set up here, I'm going to throw you in the back. Just give me one second. Okay. So the Federal Reserve does not rely on blockchain technology and is controlled by the Federal Reserve. And so while Gonzo's getting his camera set up, we're going to go right back to him when he gets on. This is my concern, Johnny. If they're able to launch a product that they're not calling a CBDC, but it's controlled by the Fed, doesn't use blockchain and has all the same functions, this is worst case scenario for people like us, especially when we know that SWIFT is already creating a competitor. So this is a second competitor in the market directly to what XRP is trying to do. And I'd love to get your thoughts. Then we'll pull Gonzo back up. Well, there's going to be a lot more competitors. They're all going to compete for that that big prize, right? There's a big uh, pot of money there that they're all trying to go after abs. But the reality is when you think about this system, it almost feels like this is the the first version, if you will, or a trial of a, of a CBDC. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of what yeah, you're short winded here, bro. It's just me and you. So you got the floor to talk all day, my friend. But we got 433 <laughs> live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. All of a sudden, Johnny Crypto is pretending to be quiet right now. I think he's a little nervous now that we're the only ones on screen. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'm only giving you a hard time, Johnny. Hold on. I'm not going to let you get away with that one. I was just giving <laughs> it back to you to get your thoughts. But I truly believe that's what's happening here. Is I, I think this is a this is a uh the beginnings of, of trying to get an understanding of what a CBDC is. So, um, and you know how they like to run it, run little tests. And this may be the beginnings of that. Not that it's a fully programmable type thing, but as you just said, they have control now over, over a large chunk of what's happening there. To me, it just feels like a, a like a first round test. Absolutely. And somebody commented in the live chat saying quant is the connector for this new digital system. That's a perfect comment right now, because we're going to play this video showing you how 57 countries and 220 corridors are already using quant networks for on on demand liquidity. We're going to break that down. So we're going to play this short clip and go back to the group here. Here we go. A lot of the fiat currencies are, and traditional institutions are currently focusing on getting uh, exceptions to the ISO 2022 standard. Is that going to have any impact on you guys or are you way ahead of that? Um, so the standard that, that I helped establish is, is a TC three hundred seven, um, and that was twenty sixteen. It's been running every year. There's fifty seven countries working on that right now, um, and what it means is we're going to create standards that are compatible to existing ones. So two hundred twenty two will be able to talk blockchain with the work that's happening within TC three. So Johnny, what he basically said there in a in an interesting way, and Gonzo, you're good to come on stream, bro. We can see you perfect. Um, what he said there, which is very interesting is Quant is not only connecting the digital system to the old system, they're working on a way to make smart contracts compatible without needing to switch over and use their service. So the interesting thing about what they're doing, I'm getting so distracted guys. I'm so sorry. There's a lot going on in the background right now. Johnny, can you just take the floor? I'm a little bit distracted. Quant networks is 57 countries, yeah. 220 corridors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so let me just talk a little bit about what's happening here while we try to figure out how to get Gonzo back in this thing. I know we lost his audio. I think we have his video, not his audio. But um, what's happening here is so you, he said something very important there, guys. He talked about TC uh, 307, I think he called it, was the code. So that's what you what I think people are getting confused on. I want to make sure we make it clear here is what we're talking about when we hear these ISO 200 2022 or. Um, or the TC 307. These are just standards. These are these are these are documents that define how things are going to work. You know, we had uh, Jay Cle Jay Claver on uh, the Late Night Crypto Show this week. You know, we talked a little bit more about that, guys. And what's important to understand is just because they comply to a standard doesn't mean they're going to be automatically used. What it means is the ability, because they comply, makes it an option to get in the game, right? And that's what I think is important. For our folks, what we want to educate all you guys is we know there's a list of ISO tokens. Uh, we know that Quant is working on being that communication potentially for all for cross or interoperability. But I think it's important for people to understand ABS very importantly that just because they're compliant to ISO 2000 or 2022 doesn't mean they're actually all going to get used. And that's just a very important thing people need to understand. However, if you're not compliant, you have no shot. So that's why. Those to me are always the ones that I want to have some of those horses in my stable because at the end of the day, one of those could get chosen or two of them, right? We don't know. It's going to be a potential, um, as I've been saying for a while, uh, a combination of coexistence of these systems that could be working in place. Does that make sense? Absolutely, Johnny. And that's why you're the best, my friend. We got 433 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this was the title of our video for an important reason, as Microsoft is working on a new Ethereum wallet amid the foray into crypto and NFTs. So this is actually a leak from what they're calling Leaping Computer, which is a software documentarian. Uh, it's actually pretty interesting. So Tech Titan Microsoft is reportedly working on a new feature that enables users to send and receive crypto assets through its default web browser. Uh, Albacore shared screenshots of the new Ethereum wallet that Microsoft is planning to integrate into its Edge browser, and that's what we're showing you right now on screen. The onboarding page indicates that Microsoft is rolling a non-custodian crypto wallet that gives users exclusive control of their assets and private keys. This is a non-custodial wallet, meaning you're in complete control of your funds, and we will not have access to your password or your recovery key. And Johnny, this is a big deal for another reason, because Coinbase is actually partnering with Microsoft to bring this into the browser system. And again, we're getting validation that Coinbase and BlackRock are steadily moving into this market. So I'd like to get some thoughts on this really quick. Do you believe this could have a big impact on the Ethereum price? We know Fidelity just launched Bitcoin and Ethereum trading last week. I'm not so sure it's going to have like a huge, I think we're, we might have Gonzo back. I'm not so sure it's a huge impact on the Ethereum price per se, Abs. But what I do believe is that it's another sign of validation. We got Microsoft working on creating a crypto wallet for this industry. Um, to me, it certainly shows that there is a future for this stuff. And there's no doubt that they want to start getting into that space. And it will also bring, I think, a lot more credibility to the space as well when you've got a, a, a Microsoft-based uh, wallet. There he is. He's back. Can you? Can we hear you? Absolutely, Gonzo. I'm going to kick it right back to you. I don't know what happened. Like we like to say, the, when, you, when you start speaking facts on the show, the global elites like to shut us down. So whenever somebody gets kicked off the stream, we know we're onto something good. And, and I'm only kidding, of course. But thanks for coming back. What's on your mind? 
Yeah. So uh, what's happening is I can only use the speakers on the laptop, so we might be getting background noise. So I'll mute if we get anything crazy in the background apps. All right. Perfect. We'll just have yeah. to float it the earbuds are But yeah, so we, are we talking about the crypto wallet for uh, Ethereum wallet launching on Microsoft? This yeah. is going to be huge. And everybody who doesn't know, Gonzo's the Ethereum expert in the group. So please tell our listeners, what are you anticipating? I know this isn't confirmed, but it does seem to be that they're perfecting this behind the scenes. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a rollout in the next six months. Yeah, if you think about it, we were talking about uh, this with Andrew this morning. Uh, a wallet is kind of a web browser, right? And so um, I can see this moving into that, right? You incorporated. We saw something very similar with Brave Browser where they had their wallet, right? Um, and you had the whole thing with the with the library token. So I could definitely see them. It's a it's a non custodial wallet, which means that you control your keys, you control your seed phrase, um, and they're going to just make it very easy for you to be able to buy Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies or ERC twenties because it is on the Ethereum blockchain. But yeah, I know that these are just kind of screenshots. But definitely you can see where this is going. So when people like say that, you know, cryptocurrency is a scam or or that, you know, it's going to get regulated out of existence. Absolutely not. Right. Microsoft wouldn't be putting this kind of money into incorporating it if they fought for one second for one second that uh, cryptocurrency was going to get regulated out of existence. Right. That's just not going to happen. And this is just showing us more and more that these big tech companies believe in it um, and they're starting to get involved. Absolutely, Gonzo. And there was another venture capitalist that came out this weekend said that he was anticipating Bitcoin could go to a million dollars in 90 days. So this is a former investor of Andration Horswitz, very, very successful man. And what he did is he put $2 million into a leverage trade, claiming that Bitcoin's price could exceed a million dollars in only three months. And the reason behind that is because he believes we're going to see a rapid devaluation of the U.S. dollar as the Federal Reserve has already began quantitative easing, but they're doing it in a pretty unique way, Johnny. And we're going to address that later in the episode. But I'd like to get some thoughts on this big bet here. Is there any chance? You know, let's skip that question because there is no chance we reach a million dollars. But why do you believe he thinks the price targets could get so high? We're showing the God candle on our screen. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. I was watching a couple of... Um... Other videos from, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the show. Oh, Stansberry Research, Danielle Camboni. She had a couple of different people on there, some who are into Bitcoin, some who aren't into Bitcoin. And it's interesting that they, uh, a few of them, quite a few of them were actually bullish for Bitcoin in the future, Abs. And they're all making predictions, you know, that it will go like the 3,000 or 10,000 first. But at some point, they will reach somewhere in the 200 to $250,000 range, maybe even 500. So it's not inconceivable. I think a lot of these guys, and these are well-connected, high guys in in the space, right? In the in the in the stock space that know. So it's not like we just got somebody. And so if these guys, and you hear that consistently uh, throughout the space, and then what's her name too? The other the woman who runs, um, I forgot what it was. The the Kathy Wood. Yes, Kathy. Thank you. She she's also out there promoting you know a million somewhere down the road. So. I, I, it's not inconceivable, Abs, that if Bitcoin does become the thing that sticks as digital gold, I, you know, I won't surprise me if, you know, and, and when we get a little more clarity around the whole crypto space in general, I, I could see the floodgates opening up. And yeah, I can see potentially three, four, five, six years from now, a Bitcoin over to, I wouldn't be surprised. Let me say if we see, it ain't going to go like that. It ain't going to skyrocket in one day. Um, I think it'll be one of those things where over time you can gradually see it increase 200,000, 300,000, 500,000. Because remember, Abs, the one thing that this whole society is not used to 
This thing's limited. We haven't had a limited money supply since we decoupled from the gold. But Bitcoin's limited, 21 million coins. That's it. So I do think it's very possible someday down the road. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting here is he was given some good advice too. He says, buy Bitcoin and get it off an exchange. I couldn't agree with him more. If you are going to bet on something to prevent hyperinflation, Bitcoin could be one of the tokens that I would bet on. But Gonzo, we got 431 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And before we show you this video explaining how Bitcoin could be controlled by the United States government, we're going to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Not only is it the smartest way to track your crypto, it is absolutely free for the first 30 days. And the link is listed right below our video. So guys, if you have an exit plan or haven't created an exit plan, our application is the best one to use. And if this isn't validation, I don't know what is. We got 448 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and really show us some love by signing up for the link down below. But we're going to let this short clip play talking about Bitcoin and go back to the group here. Here we go. Should the United States Federal Reserve buy Bitcoin today and put it into those reserves as a hedge against all of the chaos, all of the uncertainty, all of the problems that we talked about? Or do you think it is either too early or not prudent for them to do that right now? They don't need to hold reserves. They're the world's reserve currency. They just print dollars and build gunships and space rockets. So no, they don't need this. More contentious question is, who owns all of that um, Satoshi Nakamoto stuff? My theory has been from day one that this was a combination of the GCHQ in the UK and the NSA in the US that built this. But I, I spoke to the Department of Defense several times over the years, and they don't know where Bitcoin came from. Let's pause it here because we do get a response from Anthony Pompliano that is worth showing our listeners. But Johnny, we've played this on the show several times, and it's something that Bitcoin maximalists are either purposefully avoiding or just not taking into account. The NSA tracked down the creators of Bitcoin for developers in California. And then not only did they track them down, they identified them, they spoke with them, and then they said, great job, guys, and went about their way. So it's very interesting to see that the whole narrative behind Bitcoin is we don't know who created it. It's basically a gift from God. And now we should just adopt this as a global currency because it can't be controlled by anyone. Well, we know Satoshi Nakamoto's wallet has 800,000 Bitcoin. I'm not even sure what the value of that would be. And according to the NSA, that's controlled by four developers. So I don't know. I'd just like to get your thoughts before we kick it to Gonzo. What does it mean to you? You know, <laughs> I always go back and forth on this. I've always said very consistently on the show that to me, I'm not really that concerned of who created it at this point. The reality is it's out there. And if people adopt it as a utility and decide to use it, whether it's a store of value or an exchange, you know, it was funny. 
on, on one of the shows I was watching, they were actually talking about, you know, Bitcoin actually becoming a part of the basket. They were talking about as we transpose uh, from the U.S. being the global reserve currency to a basket of currencies. They talked about other countries. Apps. They were actually thrown, flirting around with the idea of, of Bitcoin being in as part of that basket, which would be very, very interesting. So uh, we'll have to see how, how it goes. You know, there's all these stories, right? You know, here's one that they're talking about, like this and that. Here, guys, here's the bottom line. You're not going to know. It's WWE. You're not going to know who made it. Most likely, I mean, they, of course, they could tell you four guys made it, but maybe those four guys work for a three-letter agency. We're never going to know the truth. And you could go ahead and spend all your time trying to figure it out. And when you do, what are you going to do? Nothing's going Change anyway, so I don't waste my time and energy on that app. I waste my time and energy on where to go look for the next horse to add to my stable. And uh, I'm starting to look at those GPT uh, crypto ones. I don't know if you guys seen the new G crypto GBT out there. So those are the things I'm looking at apps. Where things where as Gonzo talks about, I'm looking at my thesis, what I want to do, and frankly, whether I know who owns it, that is going to change. I don't even own a lot of Bitcoin anyway, so it doesn't matter to me. Thank you, Johnny. And we're going to play the remainder of this video and kick it back to Gonzo. Here we go. But they kind of are open to the idea that it came as a parallel system that was built as a just-in-case by state actors themselves, knowing that it's decentralized, but, it, but if they can play a central role in it, it's okay. So, I don't know, maybe that's the state that they already own. Who knows? It is, um, it, it's very interesting to think about what people uh, perceive to happen here in the future. <laughs> so he just completely avoided the question. I mean, Raul Paul, shout out to Raul Paul, just dropping gems on Anthony Pompliano. And then he couldn't even come up with a response. He just ignored the fact that the NSA had tracked them down. And he thinks the CIA and NSA coordinated to create these new protocols. So it's really interesting that Pompliano would just ignore the question and not even give a response that could be clipped and shown on show like this. So Gonzo, I'd love to get your thoughts and then we'll continue. Yeah, you know, like like Johnny says, um, you know, everybody's going to have a different investment thesis. Could it be possible? Absolutely, it could be possible, right? Um, but does it change anything in your investment thesis? Everybody has to answer that for themselves. Um, for me, it doesn't. You know, we cannot argue that Bitcoin is the energy of this market, that it runs anything. As Bitcoin goes, the rest of the market goes. And that's where we're at right now. Until one of these, like XRP, Ethereum, or whichever one of these breaks away, and I'm not saying that that can't happen. Maybe in the future we get resolution in the XRP case, or we get a new highway test or whatever, maybe XRP becomes the leader or the energy of the market. But for right now, Bitcoin runs this market. And as Bitcoin goes, the rest of the market goes. The chart shows us that consistently. Um, but um, if we can go back to the other story, Abs, because I think it's important about Balaji. Yes, that's this. Okay, yeah. So if you guys don't know, so Balaji, because I was having issues, he's the ex-CTO of Coinbase, right? And what gives him credibility is he put out, he's one of the first guys that put out some tweets back in January of 2020 about the pandemic, right? Before we even knew what COVID was, before we knew that what the lockdowns were going to happen in March, this guy kind of predicted it. So it gives him credibility, right? So then now he's on Twitter. He puts out this bet, right? Basically, it's a $2 million bet. One guy took it, right? Where he's saying that there's going to be hyperinflation and that um, Bitcoin's going to go to a million dollars in 90 days, right? Now, we always say anything possible in the matrix. I have a position in Bitcoin. If that happens, great. But the likelihood of that is not very high, right? When you look at everything that needs to happen. Now, he brings up very good arguments. When you look at his arguments about hyperinflation, 
I think they're very good arguments. And I think it's something that could happen somewhere in the future, five to 10 years, right? If we don't get this thing under control. But remember this, and this is the narrative part that I was talking about, where it's we're starting to see this narrative of it, it's a hedge against inflation. He could be betting $2 million. And we know that he did because he put it in a smart contract. But this guy is a uh, angel investor, venture capital. He could have a shit ton of positions already built in at the bottom of Bitcoin. And so he's incentivized for people to buy, right? And even if it doesn't go to a million dollars, if we get the automatic rally and he gets everyone to buy and, and this thing moves up to, let's say, 30, 30 something K, maybe 40 K, he could make a shit ton of money. That's more than the $2 million, right? And just that's what I want to point out is that keep that in mind that he's incentivized. And even though he's betting $2 million, that could be chump change to what he's about to make if he's built positions when Bitcoin was down at like 16, 17,000, especially if he's using leverage and the, Bitcoin, and the Bitcoin price rallies, this guy can make a shit ton of money. So just keep that in mind. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that, Gonzo, because that's a, that's very, very important to know. And look at this detail adding to what you just said. Jim Cramer said he would sell his Bitcoin six days ago. And since he made these bold statements, it's already up over 17%. So I think it's validation. Like what happens behind the scenes, these guys have some clear insight. And this is the chart I wanted to show our listeners, Johnny, before I kick it to you. XRP is doing something we've only seen one time before. We create a new high, we retrace into a lower high, and then we go into an accumulation phase. And that's what XRP is going through right now at this 38 cent mark. Well, what happens after accumulation? A rocket ship to the moon. The Phoenix rises from the ashes, 589, whatever you'd like to say. We do get some positive price action and we've only seen it one time in the past four years. So of course, for our listeners out there, I'm only making a joke, but what everyone is anticipating is some massive bullish news and the price charts are showing that. So, Johnny, how do you feel about these charts here? I'm not asking about a price target. I'm just saying it looks bullish. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to agree with a 589. That's for sure. No way. Um, you know, Everybody likes to believe it because of the Simpsons. Hey, if it happens, great. But the reality is, you know, we've looked at a lot of more realistic numbers. Everybody knows I'm a, I'm a way more realistic. I take a way more realistic approach to this. And, you know, if we see one to $3 after the lawsuit, that would be, you know, I think expected to me if we get if we get somehow if we're in the bull market when this news comes that's a whole different ball game then we're probably talking you know 10 to 12 somewhere that and then we'll speculation and over leverage who knows how high to think it go for a very short term pump but to me what's more important is what you said is just if you look at the way the chart is shaping up and I'm not like the chart expert here but I do know enough about charts to be dangerous and so when you look at them you know, it certainly is looking like a very favorable chart. I love to use the Fibonacci tool. If you apply the Fibonacci tool, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Uh, that this is the so when you get something like that happening, this is what they call a decision point. Something has to happen one way or the other. And theoretically, yeah, five dollars and eighty-nine cents. I absolutely would predict that, Mister Red. That I can definitely believe. Actually, that's actually a more realistic number. Uh, but I, lo I love our audience. You guys are great. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm very bullish on the overall long-term chart of this abs. We're talking about a technology that solves a big problem with a company that has a lot of money behind it that has built relationships in over forty countries. Need I say more than that? I mean, the problem is everybody's worried about, oh, I want to make a quick buck. No, just look at what they're doing. Look at what they're going. Look at the things they're solving. And are they building themselves something that is worthy of placing a bet today for something that may develop in the future? That's how I look at it. 
And that's what I see as Ripples being one of those forefront leaders. And that's why I'm excited about it and holding on to them long term. Gonzo, what gets me excited about this entire market beyond Ripple even is the fact that the Federal Reserve seems to be turning the printing press back on, but they're taking a creative creative approach to the quantitative easing. They're not just going to give people free money. They're going to provide liquidity to smaller banks. So basically, they're going to slip money in the back door instead of putting it right into our bank accounts. But guys, we got 433 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to reiterate, sending love to our good listeners, Susie Gemini, everybody in the live chat. Please send love and high vibrations her direction. So Gonzo, the big news from this weekend is several banks announced a coordinated action to increase U.S. dollar liquidity through the global market swap lines. This is going to be the United States Federal Reserve. Bank of Canada, Bank of England, Bank of Japan, Swiss National, and the European Central Bank. Now, I went to ChatGPT, or at least somebody else did on Twitter, and said, please explain this to me like a five-year-old. So that's what we're going to do right now. And guys, this is for my own sake. If you understand this, congratulations. So when you play with your friends and they need something like a toy, sometimes you can share it with them to make them happy. That's what the big banks did different. That's what the big banks in different countries are doing. They're sharing their money with each other to make things better while things are tough. They're doing this by exchanging their money with each other to give people the access to liquidity that they need. This helps everyone to stay happy and healthy, but I'm going to put my own line in here. It's a short-term solution. So Gonzo, I'd love to start with you before Johnny. How do you feel about the Federal Reserve providing liquidity to banks around the world? Yeah, you know, uh, we all know we're in a liquidity crisis and that's the issue that's going on. This just shows the coordination between the, the, the central banks. Um, you know, we talked about this last week that it's not exactly quantitative easing, but what they're doing is it's the bank term funding program, right? And so these guys ended up buying uh, 10-year treasury bonds or they got into these long-term things. And so they're now able to take a loan against the Fed for using those assets. Um, and so it's coming up on the Fed's balance sheet as they're like, uh, at, you can see it right there. There's a chart that it's moving up. So um, at the end of the day, it, it seems like we're getting an injection of liquidity. It's just a little bit different than quantitative easing, right? But there are other factors that are at play too, right? We have the Arbitrum airdrop. That could be about another billion dollar injection into the market. You have what CZ was doing, we talked about last week, where he was buying a bunch of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and BNB. That's another kind of liquidity injection. And you can see why the market is just kind of, the market is feeling very bullish right now because of this liquidity injection that's going in. Absolutely, Gonzo. And the Federal Reserve balance sheet illustrates exactly that. Look at this line, Johnny. We are getting a clear bearish trend. Well, it bottomed out with the crypto market and quantitative easing is coinciding perfectly with the gains we are seeing in crypto. And that gets me excited as a crypto investor because we've been in a bear market for far too long. It's been 12 months of nothing but red days. And here we are. The Federal Reserve is bailing us out on the back end. And of course, for the everyday person, this is not good news, right? We mean you understand this. We talk about it all the time. If you don't understand this process, at the end of the day, you're losing money. But if you hold assets like Bitcoin, XRP, gold, silver, even things other than the stock market that are assets, the housing market, these are the assets that are going to benefit from the Fed printing into infinity. And I think this chart illustrates that. So, Johnny, while I pull up our next article, how do you feel about the printing press turning back on in a creative way? Well, this is the thing, right? We don't want the printing press turned back on right now because we're trying to fight inflation. <laughs> inflation. You turn the printing press on, you just turn inflation back on again. You can't have both. It just doesn't work that way. All it is is more devaluation, and it just restarts the inflation problem all over again, which means you went through all this pain for no reason. That's number one. Number two, um, it is, like you said, in some way, a kind of backdoor 
uh, quantum easing or a printing press turn on without really announcing you're turning the printing presses back on. So that's a snake rat weasel move. And then the third thing, what it really feels like, if you want to ask me, if you ask me, is it's the beginning of the trial of a basket of currencies. All countries are sharing other currencies. What is that? What is that? It's a basket of currencies. And what do we say is coming? They're just, pre again, they're just prepping things for the future or where we're headed. Uh, whereas, you know, basically this means like, okay, the U.S. isn't, you know, we're not going to do it in dollars. We'll do it in your currency too. Well, that's what that is. That's a shared basket, right, at the end of the day. And it sounds like they're preparing the world for, for that movement, which we've been saying, you know, is going to be coming. I don't know when, but we've always felt that, um, that some kind of shared basket will be the next reserve world currency. Absolutely. And Gonzo, I wanted to get your thoughts on this poll shared on Twitter this weekend. Americans elected a Republican House majority to contradict Joe Biden and the Democrats' failed agenda. So, sorry, I'm reading directly. So if there are Democrats in here, I'm reading directly from the tweet here. He said, which issues are you most concerned about and want to see addressed? Of the three topics, the southern border, skyrocketing prices, and violent crime were the three options people could choose from. 60% of people wanted the skyrocketing prices to be addressed. And so, Gonzo, I'd just like to get your thoughts on this very briefly before we continue to our next article. How do you feel about this news, speaking for the Americans? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, over the last few months, they've changed the, the definition of what a recession is. And all you have to do is just go out as us as normal people and like our viewers. Um, and it feel, sure hell does feel like we're in a recession, right? Uh, you got to go look at prices and see how expensive everything is. And, and, and uh, it's funny because a lot of people didn't even know what inflation was uh, unless like, and then we had 2022 happen, but it definitely feels like we're in a recession and it definitely feels like inflation is way higher than they're telling it is. All you have to do is just go out and, and go shopping and, and buy food, gas, you know, your mortgage rent, whatever that is, your credit cards, all of that is going up. Uh, and so uh, I'm not surprised that when he does a poll, that is what, what's in the forefront of everyone's mind. Absolutely. And we got a good comment here. And let's just close the show out with an open discussion, Gonzo and Johnny, because this is pretty cool. It said, why do people think ISO going live will give anything, will, will, will do anything to the price immediately? That's like saying you're upset you can't move furniture into a house when you've only built the walls. I think it's a good example, Johnny. I want to get your thoughts on this really briefly. What do you think about people anticipating price action with ISO protocols? We know they have two years before they have to be fully migrated. So that doesn't tell me we'll see anything in the short term. I, I literally just said that earlier in the show. I, I totally agree with this statement. There's no indication whatsoever that anything's going to go up. All it means is that these tokens are compliant with a standard that's in place. Nobody said, hey, I'm using this token to go do that. And until that happens, there isn't going to be any price. Sale. But this, the problem is this is this happens because you have folks out there that don't understand how the system works. I'm trying to be nice about it, right? They don't understand how the system works. And because we're in a speculation stage um, and you always find that prices will be higher during speculation, that's what you're getting at. You're getting the speculation of, hey, these are ISO compliant. And hey, ISO 2000 is coming out too. And everybody gets pumped up, excited. And no, it means nothing. I'm waiting to hear, you know, companies, institutions, governments saying, hey, we're using this, this particular uh, token or we're using this particular blockchain and it's going to leverage this particular cryptocurrency. We haven't heard that yet, Abs. We have not heard that. Um, and actually, we've heard um, not the Sanctus, but I've actually heard the governor. It was the governor of one of the southern states. She actually banned part of a policy where where they were going. They, they snuck in the bill, Abs, that they were going to 
say CBDs are okay, but all of the crypto is bad. And I wonder if that's what this guy's saying here in terms of Ryan DeSantis, if the same thing is happening. But uh, yeah, no. Well, we got one topic that we will be talking about tomorrow on the show, Johnny. And we got 417 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Somebody said, when is it likely to happen? What I do just want to close out this topic on is that this migration is going to happen slowly between March of 2023 and March of 2025. What I think will happen is a very slow turn in the market. Some bullish momentum will come in, scoop up these low prices, and lead us to a slow climb. Eventually waking up in 2025, the mainstream media is going to be telling everyone to go buy crypto, while the people who are watching our show today are taking profits on these assets that are cheap right now. So guys, we're going to close this show out with an interesting article, Gonzo, talking about how Hedera released new protocols to actually receive lost tokens. So this is pretty cool. DREC, which is an acronym for Decentralized Recovery, aims to solve the market-wide problem of recovering lost tokens or private keys to regain access to crypto wallets. This unique mechanism offers a safety net for stolen or misplaced currencies, resulting in an environment that is still for too many risky to engage in. So Gonzo, this is pretty cool. A safety net coming underneath the blockchain. I know when I first got into this market, I was making mistakes left and right. I was sending $1 transactions to make sure these things would go through. And that's something I still do today. But this new system could be the safety net that we've all been waiting for. What's it mean to you? Yeah, I was talking to Andrew about this this morning, you know, and he's not here to, to too bad because he had already kind of seen how it works because I had brought up the question of third party risk. As long as we don't have third party risk, we're good to go. But it sounds like it's at the protocol level. And and that's great. You know, anything to make it easier for like the common person that is not deep into crypto like we are um, to make it easier for them to transition and then not worry if they lose their keys or if they send, you know, their H bar to the wrong address you know, or on the wrong blockchain, they're able to recover it. That just makes it much easier. And we're, and we're going to need that, right? We're going to need that for mass adoption. We're going to need this to, thing to be very fluid and very easy. And so that people don't lose their money, right? And so that there's an ability that when you send it on the wrong blockchain, or if you misplace your um, seed phrase that you're still able to recover your assets or people will be afraid. Right. And like I said, the big question on that, how they're doing that is as long as it doesn't open us up to third party risk, I think it's a great thing. Absolutely guys. And we got 420 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And we want to remind you guys, the freedom conference is taking place this April. I believe it is April 15th and 16th. And every single one of our team members is going to be there. There is some tickets still available. So if you're looking to come and visit us in person, this is the best opportunity to do so. And I just thought about this this morning, Johnny. When we have this conference, we could be celebrating some positive news when it comes to the XRP price charts. So this could be bigger than a conference. It could be a celebration, my friend. So with 60 seconds left, why don't you close this out here, Johnny, and then we'll, we'll bring it home. Yeah, I would encourage everybody to come check it out. We'll give you some hug. We'll give you a big old hug. And uh, But more importantly, it's just a great place to come and meet us, hear great, wonderful content from the presenters on how to kind of grow your wealth, how to protect yourself, how to create exit plans. We have so much stuff that's going to be shared you know, within the folks that come and attend to it. I would highly encourage you. But more importantly, it's just a great – there's a bunch of high vibrational frequency individuals coming together, and it feels so great to be around that that energy abs. So uh, for that reason alone, I would be going if I wasn't part of it. But I encourage all you Warrior Maniacs, if you want to come and spend some time, check it out. Come check it out. April, like Ab said, April 14th and uh, 15th and 16th in Arizona. Going to be exciting times.
Absolutely, guys. And we're going to close this show out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to the Cash Flow King himself. We got 393 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, ah, get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Let's, Let's go. go.